0: Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, It's Dr. Trish Lee with Coach Zach Carter in the house. Hi, Zach. Hey, everybody. (laughs) And today we are both excited. It should be interesting to see how the conversation plays out. We're both excited to talk about the Enneagram personality test. And the personality, the concept of personality, including this type of personality testing, is a, I want to call it a integral, but I think it's an important part of our program when we help people leave pornography behind. And the journey is the hero's journey from the egoic or self-centered, self-protected, protective self to your true authentic self, who's able to be vulnerable, know who you are and be, have the courage to go into the world and be that version without the mask. And personality is a mask. That we put on and we could probably spend the entire podcast talking about that today, but we're going to break it down and we're going to use Zach as an example.
1: Uh (laughs) I'm the guinea pig today. I'm going to try. I was. we were just saying this beforehand that I'm going to try to be open and honest, but with my particular personality number, (laughs) it's going to come across A little bit, not like I want (laughs) to come across to people. And so, but I'm just going to be open. I'm just going to be honest because I think there's a lot of truth to it. I was telling you before we got Mm -hmm. on that the first time I did, I did this months ago and did research in the Enneagram and took it. And I was like 40% of the way there. And then I read the book you recommended on Enneagrams. And it was a pretty thick book and I'm just about done with it. And now I'm like 80% of the way there. So I'm wondering if this conversation is going to take me the last 20%. And I'm excited to talk about
0: it. And I got to tell you, like, from the standpoint of Enneagram and personality, self-awareness is really important. And, you know, our journey is one of increasing emotional intelligence. And, you know, we always talk about it. The first pillar of emotional intelligence is self-awareness. The second is self-regulation. So you can't learn to regulate yourself until you're aware. And so, so many people don't even, they're not aware that their personality is a mask that they put on to be accepted, to be loved, to fit in, to survive when they were young. And it is such a tight mask that it doesn't feel like it can come off. And so I don't even try to get people to take it off. I just try to get people to wear the healthiest version of that mask. And it's called integration within the Enneagram. And I'm probably getting ahead of myself. I'll back up in a second. But like the the more self-aware you become about yourself, that's when your percentage of buying into it increases. So that's not surprising to me because so many people, when I start working with them, they will be like, oh, this is hokey. What are we using personality? Is it like this personality test or that one? The merit of the Enneagram is that it allows you to increase your self-awareness, but then it also gives you a way to increase your self-regulation. It's not like, oh, I'm this type. And then you probably just talk about the type that you are. It helps you understand why you act and think and move through the world in the way that you do. And then it helps you to realize ways that you can improve. And the reason I like this is because it's done that for me. It continues to do it for me over and over and over it is a tool set it's it's strategies it's coaching like that you can use for the rest of your life to keep yourself in a good spot
1: right and the the thing about it and I think what we're trying to do with this video is that the Enneagram is both simple and extremely complicated and it's it's nuts and that's why it took me usually I it doesn't take me forever to like get a concept but this is something I've been chewing on for months essentially to like better understand it. And so it really doesn't just stop with taking the test, finding out your number and you're like, okay, that's interesting. It's really about seeing how it applies to all the different areas of your life. And I'm I'm starting to see that for sure. Yeah,
0: and and you're right. And for this episode, what I want us to do and you and I talked about this a week ago, actually. And we, as we started to talk about it, I'm like we need to record this so other people can understand it. Well, the goal for me is to take the complex and make it very simplistic for people to get started with it, not overthink it, figure out its first utility. And if you never go past the first utility, you'll still be in really good shape if you learn how to use it in this way. So let me back up for a second. And, and actually, I wanted to say one more thing about the book that I recommend in the 90-day program is an awesome book, but it is so funny. Cause I was thinking about this. It's a very, I'm a five, I'm a type five. I'm a thinker. Um, you know, I like to know things. So the first book that I recommended really is one for the thinker. Like it teaches you everything about the Enneagram. And since then I've been reading a much more simplistic book and we'll talk about that book also here today. And it will add to the 90 day program for everybody who's in that program. Um, to get people started because you can go so deep. But what I wanted to say is that there's nine types of personalities in the Enneagram. Ennea stands for nine. So there's nine different types of masks that people have learned to put on to help them to be able to feel confident, safer, more secure in the world. And I'll run down them from the top of my head real quick if I can hopefully pull them all out. Um, I have identified, it's called type sniping. When you identify people in your world, it is frowned upon. So do not start type sniping your friends, people, because trust me, I had dinner one night with my friend Ford and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're a X number. And he's like, what? And at the core of these personality types are people's fears and the, the way that they act in stress. So when you type snipe people, you're kind of calling them out on their stuff. So it does not go well. But I'm going to kind of tell you the nine different types real quick. Type and I, and one. I have,
1: and I have them. Um, if, so if you okay, forget, great. Yeah. forget a number, I'll. I'll yeah, and if you out.
0: want to add anything to them from whatever you have in front of you, that would be great, mm-hmm. too. So because yeah. um, I'm going to go down thinking about all the people in my world. <laughs> so type one is called the perfectionist. Do you have a different name there? Reformer. Yeah. yeah so the reformer. So. It's a perfectionist. It's a person who, um, likes order, likes to keep, uh, the person I'm thinking of really interesting experience because The first time I met this person, I was at with this huge group of people, like a hundred people were trying to get the photo taken. And this person was new to the group and the person cruises on out and organizes the whole photo. And I'm like, man, that's kind of ballsy that person, because like, She doesn't even know anybody. You know what I mean? And then I'm like, later on, I'm like, she's a one, like wants to get everything in order, wants to get the picture taken. Again, that's a a way of controlling feelings of stress. So this hundred person picture, that was a way to control the stress.
1: Right. And and so Um, it's also people that maybe are super religious or people super political. They tend to join um, things to help change the environment around them to make it Align with the worldview that they see.
0: Yeah, cool, like it. Yeah, great, beautiful. Um, Okay, number two is the giver. It's a person who gives a lot. One of my friends, one of my really good friends, is a giver. And when we went to Nashville, uh, my other friends like have her take your stuff. Don't don't deal with your bags on the plane. I call my friend and I'm like, do you have room in your car? You know, Chanel said you might have room in your car. She's like, no, uh, I'm not sure. Let me see. She texts back a minute later. We're taking a different car. We can fit your stuff. They ended up taking everybody's everything. Like for no reason. We all could have just checked our bags. And I'm like, that is the giver. You know, she watches people's kids all the time. She volunteers at the PTA. And at the core of the giver is that they want to be recognized for their contribution. It makes them feel... It takes the edge off of stress and it makes them feel validated when they give. Number three, like Zach here is the achiever or the performer. What did, do you have a different name? for Achiever.
1: Uh, well, it says motivator here, but achiever was the one that I, yeah. So yeah, we'll call and, it achiever. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And uh, achievers are motivators. They're, you know, that's a beautiful thing is that the goal of achieving and my, my best friend Chanel's the three. I talk about her sometimes. So, you know, she's crushing it. She's she's created her own real estate company. She sells multi-million dollar homes. She's she's, you know, for the last couple of years, she's got the the you know, the most prestigious organization. She's just killing it. And she also volunteers, she wins these awards. So the achiever likes to feel the sense of achievement to make them feel good. And all of this goes back to your childhood and we're going to stay on three for a second because Zach's a three and and Zach can tell me if this resonates is that when threes were young, I have some three in me, clearly here I am, but uh, threes, when they were young, they might not have been seen or heard, but then when they got an A, their parent goes, oh, little Susie got an A, congratulations. And so achieving became the way that little Susie was able to be seen by people. And that's how these masks get get put on because you're really young and you and you go oh you know nobody really sees me or cares about me but anytime i get an award everybody celebrates me and so then inherently inside you go the way i can feel safe and secure is to get awards or to achieve or to be seen in that way and the three is an achiever okay let's move on to the four we'll come back to the three because we're going to do integration and disintegration with three four my son declan's a four Equanimity is his passion. Uh, Fours, what does it call the four on your?
1: Individualist.
0: The individualist. Um, So fours, an interesting thing about fours is they want to be seen for themselves. And it's pretty wild living with a four because fours tend to, equanimity is something that's important to them. So they wear their hearts on their sleeve. Most of the other numbers Can become really good fakers, fake great people. Like, how's life? Oh, everything's great if they're stressed out. If fours are stressed out, you know it. And if fours are happy, it's very high, very low, like very high of each one. And then the crazy thing is it goes against the grain. So if our whole house is really happy and there's lots of joy, death then comes bursting in all cranky. And then if we're all arguing, this is a true story. The one day, you know, there's there's eight of us. So the one day. Everybody's arguing about something. This is a couple of years ago. Declan comes in, he makes us do a group hug. And then my son Seamus, like, he backs us into a corner to get this group hug going. And there was a window there that went out to our back porch. Seamus opened the window and like snuck out the window. Like it, it broke the tension of the argument. Declan has parties all the time, like to be celebrated for being the individual that brings people together. But then a couple parties ago, two, three weeks ago, in the middle of it, he turned because he got stressed out. You could see it in his eyes. He turned. He needed people to leave nine out of 10 bad. <laughs> and and it's, it usually it's like when the energy ramps up too high. So it's a pretty interesting uh, interesting number. I'm a five. So fives are the investigator. And it's funny in the book that I recommended to you, it's Riso and Hudson is the original book. Um, the Wisdom of the Enneagram is one of their books. In that the five, It's in the book, it says not all fives have multiple PhDs, but most of them do. And, and the first time I read that, I'm like in my program for getting two PhDs at the same time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. This explains so much to me. You know what I mean? That was like 15 years ago. You know, I'm like 20 years ago now. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing I've ever read ever. And because when me and other fives were young, information and learning is what made them feel good. And I grew up in a family of eight people. I have five brothers and sisters, you know, the chaos that I sometimes have in my own home. I had then I didn't have my own bedroom. I had none of my own space. So to get away from it, I went into books and I love to learn. And then I couldn't stop learning. That became part of my identity. It's just like to be recognized, I would get more degrees. I would get more certifications. I'd I'd know more about people on any subject and that made me feel good about myself. And so it's totally wild.
1: Can I, can I interject for a second? Because when Uh I took the Enneagram, I assumed it was going to say I was a five because I'm like, I'm smart. I enjoy learning. You know, I, I try to do this stuff, but when I actually dove into, and this is the nice thing about learning about all the numbers is that you really find out if you really are that thing or not. Mm -hmm. And it was like, yeah, fives will just learn Egyptian hieroglyphics just for the sake of knowing Egyptian hieroglyphics. I'm like, that's stupid. What do you get from that? And like, I realized in that moment, and you've even talked about, you're like, man, when I take a break, I just need to read some research papers. And I'm like, what?
0: (laughs) Why would you do that? Totally. You should see the research papers I'm reading right now. I have two or three of them on that screen. Mind-blowing.
1: Right. But because I'm the achiever, it's about what what do I get from this? So like, me diving into this book is a sense of accomplishment. Yes, I fin- it's about finishing the book. Yes, I want the information, but it's also more about like, I want the satisfaction of saying, I finished this big book. And like and I'm like, oh, that's the achiever in me. It's not like I get prestige. Because I because my learning can help other people, I I can present myself as smart, Uh Uh and that's where I get. And that's essentially what it is. And so I think people can get their number when they hear a thing. They're like, "Oh, I'm definitely that." Yeah, but sometimes you're not. Sometimes well, it's pretty.
0: It totally. And it's pretty interesting for me because I'm like the opposite. I love to give people the information. Then if there's too many people involved on the other end, I get messed up. Like what (laughs) do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. Like uh you know, an achiever wants a lot of people to recognize what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to know stuff and help other people know stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. Because that's me being that talk about integration. That's me being a healthy five. But then like, so like, for example, with the YouTube channel, you know, so like my I just start presenting things on my YouTube channel, because I want the world to know. But then when there's a lot of people commenting back to me, I'm like, Oh my God, there's a lot of people on the other end of this thing. <laughs> so that's like, it's like the opposite of achieving. I just want the world to know it. But then like, if it's recognized too much, it kind of messes with me. It messes with my energy where, you know what I mean? Like interesting. it's, and I, and I used to be more of an achiever when I was younger, but then I kind of shifted more into this five. And the point is like, I am the happiest place for me is in front of my computer learning stuff with nobody even having any idea about it. And that
1: then I'll go down and to
0: torture my husband with like, dude, you would never, you would not believe this German study. I just read. you should see is I just, I just told you how I was talking to my husband. I'm like, dude, in the book I was just reading and you could see his like eyes roll. back.
1: <laughs> well, and so, and so with me being the achiever, me looking at the investigators I are uh, um, uh, yeah. Being looking at the intellectual aspect You know, I look up to a lot of guys who are smart, who are intelligent, who probably fall into this category, but I look up to them because they receive prestige for this intelligence. So I want to have that intelligence in order to receive the prestige. And so, yeah, it was interesting when I saw that. Yeah.
0: And for me, listening to people, knowing they know what they know at the level that they know it, that's super exciting for me. Like when I hear and I know someone knows something so in depth that I love that, like that sense of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on. Number six is the loyalist. And so like an easy loyalists are into planning. Planning is a big thing for loyalists. Um, what does it have for the description, the quick and easy? Does it
1: have a description oh, I, don't, I don't, I don't have it. I just have the. Um,
0: okay. Yeah. So, the, yeah. Um, so loyalists, they, uh, a way of describing it is that when they're in health, they do a lot of really healthy planning. Plans make them feel secure. Plans a major, major thing. When they disintegrate, it's doomsdaying. Fear is a, is a, a big piece of an unhealthy six. And so they're very loyal. They will be there for you. And then plans, that's something. So if you're a planner, you probably have some six in you.
1: Right. Because, you, are, because when you commit to something... You commit. Yeah. yeah. And that's why all the planning comes up beforehand because once you're committed to someone or something, it's like you're there. And so yeah. you you got to like know what my, you're committing to first.
0: My daughter, Fiona, is a six. So I I have kids, like my son, Declan's a four. My daughter searches a three and she's only 11, but she's definitely got three in her. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter, Fiona, is a six. And so, like, when she gets all stressed out, she doubles down on plans and I have to get her to sit still for a minute planning stuff and with her friends and and it's like it's a stress response. And so when we're talking about here, disintegration is a stress response. And then when you integrate, you keep yourself in a healthy place. Where you make plans, you you do them. You don't need to overly plan. And plans tend to be a, a big thing for a lot of um and another one of my friends like he'll plan healthy things when he's in a good place. And then the funny thing is like when he's stressed out, it's like Zombie apocalypse planning. We're all moving to a a bunker in wherever. You know what I mean? Like literally. In Wyoming. You (laughs) can see him. You can see his health, (laughs) emotional health, flip flop. Very interesting. And so, in the end, you want to be able to be self aware of these things in yourself. But then, when you can see it in other people, you can have a little grace for people. So, like when Fiona's doubling down on plans, I don't stress out about her. I sit with her. I try to bring her down and bring her back to not needing all the plans. When Declan's cranky last night at 1115, he sent a text out to the group. It is literally hysterical. He likes the scrubber in the holder in the sink, but he never unloaded the dishwasher yesterday. So the sink was all jacked up and the scrubber is at the bottom of it. He sent out, we have a group text called family. He sent a group text out on the family saying that he can't use the scrubber because it's buried like, That is just so funny. So when he sends that text out, I know it's just because he's he's moving away to college next week, stressed out. So I'm going to deal with a bunch of weird scrubber stuff for the next week. And it's my job to keep him from letting that stress get to him. And he earned his Eagle Scout yesterday. Amazing. So proud of him. That's great. Like, Mm. so it was a big day and it's very big changes. And, you know, so anyway, so Fiona's a six. My daughter, Ava, a seven. I haven't seen her in six months <laughs> because sevens are the enthusiast. They get out into the world and they will escape pain at all costs. They go and do as many exciting things. They are pleasure seeking to offset pain. They don't want to have any part of pain because pain doesn't resonate with is, is not something they deal with well. And just going to continue to do exciting, pleasure seeking things is a seven. And we work with some sevens in our group. One gentleman in particular is like, I'm a seven. Like dying here, I need to get out, and you know, so that's and again, integration, disintegration. Um, eights, Mm -hmm. my hubs is an eight. My son Seamus, we always tell him he's a secret eight, because he doesn't have the total tendencies, but I know he's a secret eight. Mm -hmm. And because I said to him the other day, I'm like, Seamus, you're a secret. He goes, (laughs) he goes, if you say the word eight, I'm gonna go ballistic (laughs) on you, which is an eight's response, which is so funny. And eights are called the challenger. And so like they default to anger Vulnerability is very difficult, but they're leaders. They tend to be leaders in health. And in, when they disintegrate, they're angry people. And uh, my son, Seamus, he's funny. He has this angry voice that he just does for sport. He's like the Hulk. His secret <laughs> is he's always angry. <laughs> and like, it's just his way of dealing with stress like just using this angry voice I'm like dude don't use an angry voice like even when he's being funny and saying funny things it's with an angry voice right mm-hmm. Mask man mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. and then nine my bonus on Connor is a nine uh it's the peacemaker and the peacemaker will keep the peace so in times of stress especially they double down on keeping the peace and two interesting stories about Connor my husband was giving me the business. Uh, a couple months ago, Connor lived here and my husband's giving me the business and I basically said to him, you will not be giving me the business like this in the middle of the kitchen. And he's just, you know, being an eight an angry little eight that day yeah. and eights respond to strength. And I know that. And talking about the Enneagram, like they respond to strength. So when I look him in the eyes and I'm like, you will not talk to me that way. He it changes him it shifts him into a better version of himself. So I have to muster up the energy to do that. Connor's sitting there and Connor's like, what blend of coffee should we have today? <laughs> he's like, who's into the Sumatra? Anybody want hike? I'm not kidding. This is true. Like, it's just trying to, and like, and, and I, we weren't even arguing. I think it was just mm. one little thing where he's starting to give me to me. And I'm like, I'm not, mm. but it was conflict for 30 seconds. Mm. But I wasn't emotionally, we're not yelling at each other or anything. I'm like, you will not talk to me that way. Do you understand? And, and Connor's like, what blend would you like? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And then another time, like just, and then, and then we'll wrap up the types and we'll dig in another time. So interesting about Connor, about nines. My son, Declan, had this very stressful time in life and he ended up passing out, which is a thing with vasovagal syncope. It's a brain thing. And Connor comes down, it's like 11 o'clock at night. And he's telling me a story. He's telling me the story of death and passing out, which is currently happening but he's telling me this in this leisurely way. I'm like, this is right now. And he, and like, but just his way of processing the stress of his brother passed out upstairs is to tell it to me in a story Mm. because it's very stressful. I'm, and I'm like, you know, I'm getting into bed. I'm like, I fly up there. You know what I mean? Like I go into full blown stress response, And like, still to that, to this day, that like the storytelling kind of blows me away because that's just a stress response. Of course he should be going trash. You know what I mean? But instead he's going, you know, (laughs) you not believe what's happening right now. So these nine types, it's the way that you deal with stress in the world. So let's use three as an example, but I wanted to tell people, and if you're listening to the podcast, um. We always record the videos and put it on YouTube. I'm going to show you, did did you see this book, Zach? This is Mm -hmm. the newest book that I've been reading. It's called Enneagram Guide to Waking Up. And uh, Connor bought me this. It says, find your path, face your shadow, discover your true self. And it's really cool. I'm going to read the three one real quick because we're going to talk about you as a three. And each chapter has um, a little story at the beginning. And this one, type three, the path from self-deceit to veracity. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit in in just a second, but each type has a vice and a virtue. And a vice is the thing that keeps them stuck in disintegration. And then as they integrate their personality and become emotionally healthier, it moves them to their virtue. And for three, it's the path from self-deceit to veracity, which is truth-seeking. And this is, and we'll see if this resonates with you. Once upon a time, there was a person named three. She came into this world as a naturally emotionally child. And she was always completely true to her sweet, emotional nature. Everybody could see that she had a very pure and authentic heart. But early in life, three saw that she was praised for what she did, not for who she was. Everyone around her got very excited and happy when she successfully completed her homework or did a trick in gymnastics or won a game. But when she expressed her true emotions, when she felt sad or disappointed or hurt, no one paid any attention to her at all. She felt lonely and scared when no one recognized her or cared about what she expressed from her heart. People seemed to like her when she accomplished things, but they acted as if she didn't exist when she was just being herself. And then it goes on to talk about like how lonely it feels to be by yourself and that when you achieve you're actually like like a chameleon, she could change her outward appearance depending upon whom she was with and the situation she was in. Mm. And that's why they call it the performer too. And my friend Chanel, she she's crushing it with a real estate um company, but she's actually an actress too. Mm like she's performing at all times. (laughs)
1: Right. And, and for, and for me, it's, you know, if I'm in one environment where a leader needs to step up, like I'll step up and be the leader, but if there's already a leader present, then I'm happy to step back. If like support will get me the prestige over the leadership, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And Chanel's like that too. She can, uh, So it goes on and it's really cool. What I like about this book is it kind of tells you in that story. And then it has a type three checklist. And here's the the checklist for a type three. You excel at reading a room, automatically tuning into the people around you to know what they value so you can tailor how you present yourself to impress them. You like setting goals and then doing whatever it takes to accomplish them. You define the result you want. You easily map a path to get there. You want people to see you as competent and successful. You feel confident about your public persona because you do whatever it takes to work hard and deliver. Without even trying, you see what you need to do to appear and be successful in different contexts in your life. You have an easy time accomplishing tasks and enjoy being productive and getting things done. It can be difficult to slow down or stop doing. Although although you may not consciously try, you can effectively shift the way you appear to present the right image for every situation. You avoid failure at all costs. If you think you may fail at something, you don't even try to do it. Yep. And it, it goes on. Uh, there's two more, actually. Two more main ones while you value your relationships they sometimes take a backseat to your work because you so naturally focus on whatever tasks need to get done although you can be very emotional on the inside you consciously avoid expressing your emotions so you can perform. Mm-hmm. So and then here it talks about key patterns and it's it's a really cool book but what I wanted to do today is to um, talk about integration and disintegration with those concepts in mind for type 3. And I'm going to share my screen so that we can uh, jump into the Enneagram Institute website. And the Enneagram Institute is the basically, you know, the the real deal when it comes to Enneagram. On here, there's nine type descriptions and you can. You can click learn more and here's all the types. Oh, we should have had this up before, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it talks about the main characteristics. So, you know, type three, the achiever, success oriented, pragmatic, adaptive, excelling, driven, image conscious. That's Zach, minds, the investigator, intense, cerebral type, perceptive, innovative, secretive and isolated.
1: And uh, and I'll say I've taken a few different personality assessments. I took one called the strengths quest test. Mm-hmm. And one of the, so one of the things that it says was a strength was what it called winning others over, which means mm-hmm. I like to meet people and get them to like me immediately. And adaptability was another one. And mm-hmm. that's what this is. And so it's interesting that across these tests, it it, it solidifies a lot of the things that the Enneagram is saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um,
1: and then, yes, yeah, perfect. And- so the health, the healthy level. So the levels I wanted to dive into, cause I think the difference between levels of development and the integration, dis- disintegration is very confusing. This is probably the most confusing part of the Enneagram. So I would love, yeah, and this to is,
0: that. this is the thing that I want people to focus on. So if you're listening, this is the coaching strategy for today. So get your journal out and if you're watching the video, what I did was I went to enneagraminstitute.com. I'm in type three right now because we're going to do Zach. And I scrolled down to where it says type three levels of development. Now, these levels of development are broken into nine levels. So we got nine types, nine levels. The nine levels are broken into basically sections of three. So we have the healthy levels one through three, average levels four through six, and unhealthy levels seven through nine basically every single level down at 9 disintegrates into addiction and it doesn't say it here but most of them do they they disintegrate into mental health disorders or challenges and addiction and we'll talk about the three in a second but the goal for disintegration and integration is to recognize what you actually need to do in your you your particular individual life to stay at level 1 2 and 3 ideally level 1 but obviously that's a big challenge but to stay in the healthy levels and then i call it a fault line you know like if you if it was an earthquake the fault line is where you are disintegrating into unhealthy levels and to recognize those actions in your own self so let me just talk about i'm going to read them to you real quick in the healthy un healthy and in the average levels for three, and then we'll talk about it with Zach. So level one, at your best, you're self-accepting, inner-directed, authentic, everything you seem to be, modest and charitable, self-deprecatory humor, self-depreciating humor, and a fullness of heart emerge. You're gentle and benevolent. Level two is self-assured, energetic, and competent with high self-esteem. They believe in themselves and their own value. Adaptable, desirable, charming, and gracious. And, and number three is ambitious to improve themselves, to be the best they can be, often becoming outstanding, a human ideal, embodying widely admired cultural qualities, highly effective. Others are motivated to be like them in some positive way. So those are the top three levels. Basically, at the three levels, you're ambitious, but you're doing what you're doing because you want to do it yourself internally, interdirected, self-accepting you're energetic, and you're full of high self-esteem. So one takeaway right now is when you're at your healthiest levels, you're being true to your authentic self. This is emotional intelligence. This is like times of thriving. You know how I talk about thrival and survival? Thrival is at the top three levels. So let me stop there, Zach, and ask you, do you know what that looks like in your life? Like if you had to describe, if you could tell me... one way that you know you're going to stay like every day when you check in with yourself, you could go, yeah, I'm at level three. Cause I'm doing this, that, and the other thing. What yeah.
1: would. Yeah. So currently, you know, I'm uh, in my master's program. And so, you know, if I'm doing the work that, that needs to be done, um, you know, we talk about journaling and setting your goals. So usually things like a couple, I usually have a couple hobbies and then a couple, like professional and school stuff. And so like, if I'm like playing drums and I'm uh, exercising. So the more I fill my day with the things that I find important and actually do the things are days that I find uh, a a lot of enjoyment.
0: Yeah. And that's that's self-care and self-love. Because I also was going to point out that when you decrease in the levels, it's fear. You're moving into fear-based action. When you're up at levels one, two, and three, you're acting out of love for yourself that extends out to others as love for others. But it comes from you're filling your cup up and then your cup overfloweth to everybody else. Extension, that extension. So at one to three, you're doing what you need to do for yourself and it extends out. People feel that. And then people are motivated and inspired by you. And so, like in your journal, if you're listening, and, and Zach, for you too, your exercise is write down what levels one through three look like for you. Chunk it into when I'm at my best, when I'm at my healthy levels, this is what my day looks like. This is what my week looks like. These are the things I say, because I'm going to give you some examples for myself in a mm-hmm. minute. These are the things I say. And listen to this one. These are the things I feel. Stop and feel what you feel. If you if self-awareness, we're talking about like, okay, like I feel so excited to do my work today. I feel inspired. I feel it coming out of me. Does it feel like love for self and others or does it feel like fear? Because if it feels like fear and anxiety or anxiousness or depression, you are definitely down in the unhealthy levels. And now this is tricky. Like, actually, I heard it um, somewhere the other day can't remember where, but when I think of it, I will tell you um, where it's like, you know, it's not how healthy of a person you are. It's how healthy of a person you are at any given time, because stress is the thing that will knock us into the lower levels. Okay, so let's talk about the average levels. Average levels are levels four through six. Level four, highly concerned with their performance, doing their job well, constantly driving self to achieve goals as if self-worth depends on it. Terrified of failure, compare self with others in search of status and success, become careerist, social climbers, invested in exclusivity and being the best. Level five, that's level four. So that's just one level into average, but you can see now you're externally validated instead of internally. Level five is become image conscious, highly concerned with how they are perceived, begin to package themselves according to the expectations of others and what they need to do to be successful, pragmatic and efficient, but also premeditated, losing touch with their own feelings beneath a smooth, smooth facade. Problems with intimacy, credibility, and phoniness emerge. So now you're getting to be a phonier version of yourself. So maybe in these levels, authenticity might be something that you know sparks some thoughts. Level six, want to impress others with their superiority, constantly promoting themselves, making themselves sound better than they really are. Narcissistic with grandiose, inflated notions about themselves and their talents. Exhibitionist, seductive, as if saying, look at me. Arrogance and contempt for others is a defense against feeling jealous of others and their success. So if you start feeling arrogant and If you check in with yourself, you're actually feeling jealous of other people's because success is really important to you. And when you see other people being successful, I know this is a real big thing with threes is like, can you celebrate other people's successes or does it wound your ego? Because remember, this is a journey from ego at the low levels, true authentic self at the high levels. So for Zach, like what average levels look like for you? Do you? Yeah. So, uh,
1: yeah. So a, um, a story in particular that comes to mind was I used to help out at a church and I'm a drummer and I had been helping the church for a while before, or as they were growing and becoming bigger. And I got cut from the worship team and someone else was replaced, replaced me. And I remember like resentment and jealousy every week when I went like, like feeling like I should have been on the stage or why am I not on the stage? And it was about me what I could do. It was less about using my talents to help others. Like, it's like, oh, I do this just because I enjoy it. Now it's like, oh, well, how does this make me look, you know, to other people?
0: Totally, yeah. So uh, great. So, you know, checking in with, that's going to be a fault line. That's going to be a fault line behavior for you. You get a mm-hmm. pang of jealousy or a pang mm-hmm. of, I deserve more. That's mm-hmm. going to let you know, I am disintegrating red alert. And then, then before we get done talking, what I want everybody to know is when you get that red alert, what are you going to do? Cause you have to change your thought processes and your behaviors to integrate yourself again. And if you can do it at the fault line, you never get down to the unhealthy levels. And when it comes to consuming pornography, what we're talking about here is you're going to do the work to get back, to get yourself back to your true, authentic self. In our 90 day program, that's what we do. We move you through this process, we get you to be the best version of yourself. But then if you let your guard down and a stressor comes in, I want you to know red alert, I am going down. I need to, I need to bring myself back up before I relapse. And that is, Definitely doable because I help people do that all the time. Okay. At the unhealthy levels, level seven is fearing failure and humiliation. They can be exploitative, opportunistic, covetous of the success of others, willing to do whatever it takes to preserve the illusion of their superiority. Level nine, devious and deceptive so that their mistakes and wrongdoings will not be exposed. Untrustworthy, maliciously betraying or sabotaging people to triumph over them. Delusionally jealous of others. Level nine become vindictive, attempting to ruin others' happiness, relentless, obsessive about destroying whatever reminds them of their own shortcomings and failures. Psychopathic behavior generally corresponds to narcissistic personality disorder. So, at these, and addiction is at the, the lower. So, that's like what, and here, level nine is the acting out behavior that results. But for so many people at these unhealthy levels, they escape because they don't want to feel all those feelings. We know processing difficult emotions is at the core of a pornography addiction. So when things get tough, people retreat into escapism and into porn. So they don't have to feel all these terrible things down here. So they don't have to feel like they're not good enough. They don't have to feel like they're doing things wrong. They don't have to feel jealous. So are you willing to share any thoughts on what it feels like in this unhealthy range? From hopefully back in the day.
1: <laughs> well, I, yeah, I, I never because I, I just watched a movie called The Gift recently, where one of the characters does this. He's a he's clearly a three in the movie, and he begins to sabotage other people. I've never gotten down to this kind of level. The worst that I get is basically I shut down mm-hmm. and I stop being productive altogether, which may lead us into the next conversation about disintegration into another. Uh, number, which my understanding is the nine, the peacemaker, their unhealthy type shuts yep, does down nothing. Yep. and does nothing. And that's what I do. So like, yeah. if I get into a bad place, it's not that like, I try to sabotage other people. It's basically, I give up and quit, which is, which yeah. goes along with, I don't do things that I don't see as potentially successful. Yeah. And so that's my tendency when I'm at my unhealthiest places, I just shut down. I, I stop doing anything.
0: Yeah, so we were talking about the enneagram being complex, but it can be simple, but this is this takes it to an, another level of when you get stressed out, each type disintegrates. It can shift into a, another type. So like what Zach's talking about is when you're a healthy 3 under stress you go to a 9 and I'm showing on the screen for anybody listening to the podcast um on the enneagram institute page there's arrows within each type So that when you disintegrate, it's into Peacemaker. When you integrate, it's into the loyalist, being very loyal to people and planning and getting organized and staying structured. That's what a six is. That's what a healthy three does, stays organized and structured and move towards it. I'm a five. I disintegrate into a seven. I start throwing darts at everything. It's a major red flag for me because I don't disintegrate all the way down into uh, psychosis what I do is I just start doing one of everything.
1: <laughs> like everything sounds good. You're less focused. Everything sounds
0: good. And I'm like, yeah, let's do that. Let's do this. But when I'm when I'm in health, I go to eight. I go to strength and confidence. Leadership. Because fives Tough. are in their fives are in yeah. their head. So when I'm in a healthy way, I take everything I know and I get out into the world and I take charge and I help people with the stuff that I know. So that is how you can use the arrows in each type. And then going back to the passion, and I don't remember if they have it on this. Let me just look and see. Uh, on this page, it doesn't have um, the virtues and the vices. But like I was talking about in this this book, The Enneagram Guide to Waking Up, when you figure out what your vice is opposed to what your virtue is, you want to stay in your virtue because it helps you to avoid. The vice is always out of fear. The virtue is always out of self-love. So for, and maybe I don't know if that makes sense to you in terms of, you know, what this book says about a three, it talks about self-deception versus veracity. And self-deception is like, you know, out of fear, it's kidding yourself. Like in here, what it talks about in the levels is it's kidding yourself about your importance and, you know, devious and deceptive. So that there are mistakes and wrongdoings. It's like, uh, you know, self-deceit that, that inflating your thoughts about yourself, that's a narcissistic piece and, and covering your tracks in terms of the things that you're doing to stay in that place versus veracity as being your true authentic self and having the courage to go out there and just keep being yourself.
1: Yeah. And with the fears, the the fears of the three, we talked about this, it says of being worthless. And I guess the, the way I phrased it in my head and you said it's essentially the same thing was that my biggest fear is not reaching my potential, that I have all this potential and that I shut down and I don't, don't go and reach for it was essentially the, what we were talking
0: about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I can talk about mine more personally for me, my virtue as a five is non-attachment. And my vice is is avarice. It's actually holding on to things. And avarice isn't greed because avarice is is mistaken to be greed a lot. I start talking about time. (laughs) I never have enough time. And energy is a thing for fives. And fives don't Fives protect their energy because being with other people is very draining for them. And they feel like they have to protect that energy because the energy is best used learning stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's an interesting thing because I definitely feel that. Like I say, I've said it on this podcast lots of times where my husband has to drag me out. Of course, once I get out, I'm glad to hang out with my friends. But like, I'm really just the happiest at home reading a book. He's going to a conference. He's like, I really want you to come. And I'm like, if I'm in the room, I'm the one who's. I'm the social butterfly who's got the room going. Um, but I'd rather be by the pool with, with three books. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, you might be bored. I'm like, no, I won't. I'll be by the pool <laughs> <laughs> after I work the room, <laughs> you know? So, uh, and, you know, that's just non-attachment is I learn all this stuff and then I can share it. Non-attachment is I can make money and have it move through me. I always donate money. So that i don't get attached to money it's not my money i don't see it as mine i see it as the universe's it comes to me through me to others to connect us all it's just energy my time is used to help other people and to help myself self-love love for others mm-hmm.
1: so can i get one more clarifying question and then mm-hmm. um uh, j- just to make sure so in as, as much as you could summarize it what is the difference between the levels of development and the integration, disintegration. Cause you're saying, like, hey, when you're not in a good place, here are the things you're doing. But then also, hey, if you're not in a good place, you go to a different number. And so I,
0: yeah. Think that so be for right now, I would just stick with the levels of mm-hmm. health as integration or disintegration. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even worry about which other type you shift to. I would, even though that is super cool. But for right now, a first level, in terms of integration and disintegration is you go to the Enneagram Institute website. You, you can take a paid test there, or if you go to truity, T-R-U-I-T-Y.com, they have a free test there and it'll give you a pie chart of the numbers that you are in terms of the highest percentage to the lowest percentage. It's very cool. And then go to Enneagram Institute and look at those nine levels of health. And within each section, one through three, four through six, And seven through nine, write down what your behaviors, your thought processes, and your feelings are in each of the healthy, average, and unhealthy levels. Because that is disintegration and integration. Disintegration is you were at level two and now you're going down towards level nine. The integration is you're watching porn every single day, you're just escaping because you don't want to feel any of those ugly feelings down at seven through nine. You stop watching porn, you start our 90 day program and you start going up. Now you're at level eight, seven, six, your life's changing. You feel better. You feel more confident. You're you're less worried about what people think about you. You start the project, you start the side hustle. You've always been wanting to, and you start making some money. Now you're up at level three. You're, You're running your own business and you're feeling really good. But then you see your best friend from high school. He has a similar business and he's making twice as much as you and he's working half as much. Now you're at level five because that is so stressful. And so now you now the call of porn is calling you back because you're starting to feel jealous because you cannot believe your friend goes on vacation once a month to the Bahamas. And you're like, I haven't been on a vacation three years because I've been building this side hustle. Mm -hmm. And so then you're worried about what he's got going on and you're like, I got a good idea. Maybe if I just go on his website and I rip off everything he says, and I put it on my website, I'll get more business. That's deceptive. And so now you go to yourself, Oh my gosh, I'm so worried about what he has going on. I'm no longer worried about what I have going on. Then you go forget him I'm doubling down on what I want to create in my life. And as part of our program, we have people go through goals, in many different areas of their life and figure out what they want. And then when you're setting out to create your goals, not your ex best friend's goals, it's really tricky though. I will tell you because like, you know, when Chanel rolls up and she just sold $12 million of houses this month (laughs) and I'm like, damn, why didn't I sell $12 million of anything this month? (laughs) I do. Right.
1: Right. Well she come then, on our side of the achiever and
0: then maybe you would. <laughs> exactly. But, but then, you know, like every time, and I love Chanel, and hopefully she doesn't mind me sharing her stories, you know, because she'll say it too. She's got, you know, contracts to put in and she's working so hard and like, you know, twice as hard as I am. But at this point in my life, I have six teenage, you know, I've got six kids. Yeah, you know, five of them are teenagers. So to myself, I play this game where I'm achieving what I'm achieving, but I'm also showing up for all this parenting too. Our goals are different. That's the point. So I have to remind myself, I'm achieving what I want to in the parameters that I want to. Then I'm raising in my health again because I don't have to, I'm not jealous about what she has going on. I'm psyched for her. It gets me back to like, thank God she's crushing her dreams and thank God I'm crushing mine. And I want everybody else to crush theirs, even if they're different. And then that raises your health because I'm like, eyes on my side of the street. You know, I'm not worried about what other people have going on. That's how you use the levels of health for integration and disintegration. And if you do want to to look at the chart and figure out which number you go to in stress and which one you go into health, it will also show you because that's part of my fault line. When I start throwing darts at stuff, I've got to figure out how to get myself back to focus because I go to seven everything looks good. And then I pull myself back to more of an eight. I take charge of my life and I go do the things that I want to. And for you, it's like, get off the couch, stop making peace and get organized, get towards the six and double down on structure and planning and get back to the life that you want to create. And it's really powerful. I help people with this exercise all the time and it blows their mind when they do it. And hopefully it's convinced you.
1: I, 10%. I'm, I think I think I'm I think I'm 95. percent I gotta just go chew on it for a little bit. And uh, yes, yes, you can. Conv- and you've and I know
0: that. I know you had a question, and I know we shouldn't be going into it, but this is the last thing: is that on this page it shows the compatibility with other types. So if you're in a relationship, figure out do you know what type your wife My is? My wife's a really, two. Mm-hmm. She's a two. She's a giver. Mm -hmm. So like, it will tell you if you, if you click on two, it will, you can read this. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but Mm -hmm. it will tell you what each type brings to the relationship and potential spots or issues. And it is amazing. I hope you find this exercise as amazing because Mm -hmm. it is super cool. And it's, I'm going to just go to mine real quick because it is pretty wild. I'm a five. And fives and eights, my husband's an eight, fives and eights are highly compatible. And it'll say here, hopefully it'll say it because like fives and eights are highly compatible because fives are in their heads a lot. Eights are very body oriented. So like I pull my husband into his head to figure stuff out and he pulls me out of my head into the world. Like here it says, Enneagram fives need to be more identified with their body and with their instinctive energy. They need to be more engaged with the practical world and feel their own sense of power and capacity. They can learn these qualities from eights. On the other hand, eights need to be more thoughtful and aware of the impact of their actions on themselves and their environment. They need to know more and to think of consequences We totally do this for each other. And like, I didn't even know that was a thing until I read this, that, you know, then this is so wild potential trouble spots or issues when both fives and eights are in stresses, they are in gridlock. So when we're both stressed out, which thankfully hardly ever happens, we totally have this yin and yang. If I'm stressed out, he's in a really good spot. He can bring me out. If he's stressed out, I pull him out. And basically, it says the biggest problem is that in the lower levels, these two separate separate physically from the other and any real communication ceases to take place. Lower functioning fives tend to lose respect for anyone they judge to be irrational, destructive, or out of control, which an eight does, you know. The storminess and threats of unhealthy eights terrify fives who must physically leave to feel safe. So that's why I like the story of me in the kitchen. I've taught myself. If he starts to throw, you know, angry shade at me. I, I used to bolt cause it's fight, flight, or freeze. Mine is flight. I learned that as a five. five mm-hmm. eights learn fight. So if he's stressed out, he yells at me. So now I've taught myself. So I don't disintegrate. I will go up to him and say, do not talk to me like that. And then as soon as I do, he shifts back <laughs> <laughs> and then like, he'll do things to me and he'll be like, you know what? you know, basically get out of your own way and get back to real life. And I'll be like, "Uh," and then I'll go, oh, that man's right. And then the times (laughs) there, there's very few times when we are in gridlock of, of non-communication, but it happened. Like, I think I talked about this on a podcast. I don't know, a couple of months ago, I don't remember what it was about, but I'm like, man, we are just like completely, you know, I'm like annoyed all the time. He's annoyed all the time. And we are just, anytime we try to talk, it's just a cluster. And I'm not even kidding. I walked away the one time. I'm like, oh, my God, it's because I'm all stressed out and he's stressed out. We're in unhealthy gridlock. Mm -hmm. So what I literally did was I'm like, I have to like emergency raise myself back into myself, back into the healthier levels to get communication going, to get us both out of this. Mm -hmm. And in that case, I did it. And there was another case after that where he did it. It's really cool. So like, once you know these things, you can go, the reason we haven't been able to discuss this thing for a week is because we're both so stressed out. And then you go offset your stress or you just have more empathy for your partner. You just go, oh, I get why she's all stressed out. I'm going to give her grace and empathy. And when you do that, you shift her, which shifts you and everybody's back up on the rise. It's amazing when you figure that stuff out. So read through your compatibility with your partner because it should help in relationship dynamics, which is a huge Hmm. part of staying out of the screen. That's great.
1: Well, thanks for explaining all this today. I, I hope everyone found it uh helpful as we did the Joe Rogan link of the <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, know. Today. <laughs> I know, exactly. You
0: can some people tell me they're like, yeah, I listened to you on two times fast. So if you're if it's too I slow that. on the yeah. if it's too slow <laughs> yeah, yeah. on the podcast, go over to YouTube, throw it on two times fast. Okay. Right, right. Thanks everybody for joining <laughs> us again. And someone on YouTube said that I forgot to say. Control your brain or it'll control you. But on the podcast, it's on the outro. So I have to make sure I say it for everybody on YouTube. So control your brain or it'll control you. We'll see you next time.
1: Perfect. Bye, everybody.